Are you ready to play the game? Yeah! The game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing to survive. Welcome back to Rebel Radio. My guest today, Newmark from the legendary Jurassic 5, among other things. We're Thanks gonna for dig having into me, Josh. Today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Uh, it's been a long time, and in fact, I was thinking about, I actually don't remember how we met, but I do remember, uh, so in the 90s, when I was a journalist, I wrote uh, an article for the very last edition of a magazine no one will remember called Bikini. I like the title. And yeah, uh, the world's greatest men's magazine, so they say, <laughs> except they went out, out of business after this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was my first piece for Bikini, but it was an interview with Jurassic 5 in which they had a, a, a uh, segment that they had musicians test driving cars. Oh, I so remember we went, this. This was dope. Yeah. So we went and test drove a Lexus yeah. uh, LX470. Yeah. I remember it was dope. It was like off-roading. Yeah. Damn, you tripped me out with this one, man. Right? And here's, uh, we'll, we'll put up a picture but here's Newmark looking very young. Actually looking just like you are today. So you, you're aging really well. It's good you don't have the picture of when I used to have my beard up to my like lower <laughs> eyelash. And nobody in my group told me I looked like a fool. But uh, yeah, I look close to the same. No, that was dope though because, I mean, you know, as a journalist, like you sit down, you do an hour interview. But this was like yeah. a full day. Yeah. We got to really get into it and have some fun with the car. I think... Uh, I think yeah. somebody was like wiling out with the car, trying to jump over stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot who. Might have been we, Soup. It might have been Soup. He was somebody was having fun though. I, I remember this was. I had a great time. Yeah. Yeah, I remember this specifically. Yeah, yeah, this, that was, was fun. So I, but I felt like we knew each other before that. But yeah. What, so what were you doing before Jurassic? Um, well, I started out doing a lot of um, house parties. Actually, okay. I was a mobile DJ, and I used to carry a bunch of equipment in the back of my ride and have to fix my ride every few weeks and mm -hmm. all that good stuff and when jungle juice the... spilling onto the mixer and turntables and you know wild house parties and then um, yeah that's uh, back when you had to carry your records yeah yeah seven crates of records i remember that was the magic number seven was the magic number and uh then i slowly kind of got into like djing a few uh clubs here in hollywood and la area and mm -hmm. then i met the group shortly after that mm-hmm um, but I was always making beats during that time. I was always a producer. Actually, started producing before I was a DJ. So, so was there a day when you woke up and you're like, this is my career now? Yeah, there was actually a very defining moment. Um, what happened? Uh, I, I knew I always wanted to be a musician. I was, started playing drums seriously around 12, 12 years old, but I wanted to play at seven and kind of toiled around with it at seven. But nice. 12 years old is when I like entered the jazz uh, band in junior high and all that stuff mm -hmm. and, and started playing and um, got into drum battles. I used to battle the drummers at that time. And then uh, as time progressed, you know, and I got started getting into high school and getting ready for college, my mom was adamant about me having a backup plan. And so I was studying to be an x-ray tech. Oh, wow. Yeah. Radio, radiologic technology. Um, and I had a defining moment. An exciting in, field. Yeah, very exciting. Yeah. Um, but I had an, a moment in class where I just, you know, had this epiphany where I was just like, you know, I can't really afford to daydream like you could at an insurance job about music. Like, I, you know, if you're behind <laughs> a, you know, if you're in a cubicle, it's one thing like, damn, right. 
really cool to make this one song when I get home or whatever. But at, when you're in a hospital, you're taking care of people. So I walked sure. out of class and um, I shortly after J5 went gold and mm -hmm. then I haven't stopped touring since really. Oh, so this was, you were in J5. Yeah. We were, that was I was on. actually go, showing up to the recording sessions with a lab coat and a tie no during that time because I was doing, um, um, you know, hospital work at the time because yeah. I was in like lab practice at that time, you know, lab, lab work. Yeah. So I just had that moment where I was like, I can't, I can't do this. Like it's, I got to go two feet in, you know, everyone says, don't put all your eggs in one basket. You get a lot of weird advice growing up, especially yeah. from, from relatives and none of that advice really worked for me, <laughs> but you know, I'm, and I'm not saying this works for everybody, what happened to me, but it was just my path, you know. Was there any advice that, did you get any good advice? My dad actually always gave me good advice. My dad was always the one like, you know, what are you doing? Why are you in an x-ray program? You're tripping. Like, you, he, my dad was like, always like, what, what, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. you, you, you have no interest in science. What are you doing? You know, like, um, but like, you know, I was closer to my mom, you know, so I just, you know, you know how it goes, you mm -hmm. know, and, and you had a young, impressionable age and you don't, you're trying to find the right route and you see other guys caking off, making money and, DJing everywhere or, you know, making beats for all these groups. And you're like, man, I don't know if I can get to that level. You have a lot of doubts when you're mm -hmm. in your 20s, early, early sure. 20s especially. So um, I had those doubts just like everybody else. But, at, you know, at the core of it, I, I knew that I loved music and, and that's what it was going to be. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I mean, that was such a special time for hip hop. Yeah. And, and yeah. J5, I thought, played such an interesting role in that era as far as... Uh, you know, hip hop was really coming into its own, yeah, and growing as a as a culture and as a musical style. And then J Five was kind of a bridge to the world before that. Well, it's the angelic man, relic clan, repellent, my plan, parent, manuscripts with stand bullets, flashing like a Japan tourist. We command pure hits while you cramming to understand these yeah, country man lyrics. We had a really interesting group. I mean, what I loved about that era the most was the, um, the, the feeling that there was good, healthy competition. Mm -hmm. And like, even within groups, like if you like study Wu Tang, like you could feel like they were competing with each other. Not like on some animosity, but just like on some, just like, this is just. I'm just trying to outshine, yeah. you know what I mean? And there was a lot of that going on in the whole landscape of hip-hop at that time. You know, De La Soul sounded nothing like Public Enemy. Public Enemy sounded nothing like Juice Crew. Mm -hmm. Juice Crew sounded nothing like Jungle Brothers. Jungle Brothers sounded nothing like N.W.A. I mean, it was just healthy, you know, just like everybody had their own style and to bite would to be, you know, you'd be ousted mm -hmm. if you're biting someone's style, you know? Yeah. You know, that's... Um, Today it's a little bit different, you know, it's almost like if you fit in the box, you're more accepted. So, right. uh, but I loved that era and I loved um, what we contributed or try to contribute during that time. Um, and I just had a good time. I loved it. So, so what about, I mean, you guys also stood out being a, a group with two DJs, mm. which is pretty rare. So were you and Cut Chemist competitive? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because it was like, okay, so like at that time, you got to realize like the West Coast cats who were like digging for records were trying to catch up to Pete Rock, yeah, Q-Tip, sure. <laughs> Diamond D, DITC, Digging in the Crate Screw, everybody who was, had already been really digging deep mm -hmm. and was finding 
unearthing all kinds of beautiful things off of records from the 60s and 70s. Yeah. Um, jazz was in its own world. Funk was in its own world. We hadn't even gotten to African, Ethiopian yet, and mm -hmm. all the beautiful things that exist there. Yeah. Uh, so Cut and I were trying to catch up and just trying to find the illest breaks mm -hmm. possible, you know, going hard on 45s when really nobody on the West Coast was really going into 45s except for the, um, the cats that played Latin oldies because mm -hmm. they knew what was up, you know, mm -hmm. the OGs from the East Side here in L.A. Mm -hmm. But in the hip-hop circle, nobody was really digging in 45s. Nobody was really digging uh, in that way. So we were just trying to catch up, and yeah. we were catching up rapidly. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, yeah, so, like, in that, when you're at a fair, you're trying to, like, look what I found. Like, ah, oh, you got that? Damn, I've been looking for that. And like, there's, like, several times where I'd be, like, looking for a specific record and there'd be a guy that grabs it right in front right. of me. I'm like, ah. Yeah. Oh. That's crazy. But, um, yeah, but that's what makes it fun. You know, it was just, it was a good time, you know, and um, digging is just a fun art unto itself. Yeah, so talk about that. How, you know, I think we've talked a lot about, as a culture, how much music has changed mm -hmm. since the internet, since technology, all this. Um, what about crate digging? How's that, uh, how's that different today? <laughs> I, th I, I don't know. People get mad at me, but I, I kind of think it's almost um, it's close to non-existent today. Just, just because I'll say it's yeah because well, there's a few things. Okay, so like when you listen to the the joints that are really making it right now, this pretty much just you know 808, mm -hmm. you know, and and key sounds, you know. So it's a little bit more synthesized out these days, and mm -hmm. um, the laws or the lack of laws, I should say, of sampling have really hurt the true school golden era whatever the hell you want to call that era of digging mm -hmm. um so it's kind of been pushed to the back or maybe it's on a little hiatus or whatever um, i kind of feel like there's going to be a, f a fusion between like what everyone says they miss so much about the 90s hip-hop with this trapped out sound i kind of feel like that's gonna somehow collide you see you see anybody doing that or like showing signs of that yet me yeah. <laughs> but i mean i don't i don't I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be interesting because um, people are really scared of, of sampling. You mm -hmm. know, like if you sure. look at like De La's Kickstarter right now, they're like, you know, we've sampled our lives and, you know, we've, you know, we've gotten trouble for it in the past and they're yeah. trying to steer away from it on their new Kickstarter. And congratulations to them, by the way. They've done an amazing mm -hmm. job and I've supported and I've told my friends to support. Um, but yeah, it's just a slippery slope, you know, like it's just, it's, it's really sad that no attorney wants to step in and say, hey, you know, one bar sampling equals this much. Right. On the master side. Yeah. This much on the publishing side. Two bars equals, it should really be gridded out, mm -hmm. personally. That's what I think. But I don't think any attorneys want to touch it because there's no money in it for them. So, mm -hmm. um, Yeah, and now if you look sad. at what's happening with uh, blurred lines, yeah. right aside, it doesn't even have to be a sample. Yeah, it's just getting out of control, you know. Um, but, you know, um, all that said, there's some really interesting programming happening, you know. And I started seeing when the dubstep thing really blew up, like mm -hmm. it's like the 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 progression of um, the sequences was really cool, man. Like there's a lot of really cool programming going on right now. You know, you see it in Skrillex, and you see it in all these cats. You know, on the electronic side, that's probably why the hip hop, you know, uh, producers have fused with electronic so much. Is because there's a lot of really interesting programming mm -hmm. um, in a new avenue. So it's cool. It's a good thing. So it's interesting to hear you talk about that because I think you know. There is this fusion happening. There's also been historically kind of a division between hip hop mm -hmm. and electronic music. Yeah, I was just thinking about that the other day. Yeah. 
like I remember like back in the, like in the late 90s was like you know Herb Magazine you know they'd have their mm -hmm. you know their dance section electronic section and they had their hip hop section it was very separate even yeah. when you go to a rave they'd have the hip hop room and then you'd have you know if they had a hip hop room yeah. and then you had like this massive floor with electronic but now it's like electronics electronic music is really engulfed most of the buyers or most mm -hmm. of the listeners I should say mm -hmm. it's fun people want to have a good time you know um, but um, all that's changing it's always changing but hip-hop is always finding its way to, to resurface and and stir up a lot of noise and it's it's raw you know people you know who have like a really good ear and like texturized mm -hmm. music that they, they gravitate towards the hip-hop so that's what's up you know? yeah so let's talk a little bit about what you're working on now um, yeah, oh, I just finished, well, yeah, I just finished the album with uh, Slim Kid Trey from Farside, and um, we had features on it, uh, Diamond D's on the album, Jay Live, uh, Durando, rest in peace, um, Del from Hieroglyphics, and Murs. Mm -hmm. um, so that's out, and it did really well for us, and we're actually creating another album. Um, I'm getting ready to start a show kind of similar to this, uh, called The Hot Plate. Nice. Where I interview other artists oh, cool. um, from an artist's point of view. Because uh, I have a lot of weird technical questions that I want to ask them. Yeah, but yeah. I want to do it over um, their favorite uh, restaurant, over their favorite dinner. Oh, and so it's kind of yeah. like we talk mostly about food, but then mm -hmm. we talk a little bit about my nerdy questions about music and things that they've done and yeah. weird coincidences. So I'll be launching the Hot Plate very shortly. Nice. You know, I'm getting my interviews intact, so I'll be calling you, Josh. I need some people. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Anytime. Um, and then, aside from that, doing a lot of touring with J5. Um, I'll be, we'll be playing in uh, July here at the Nokia okay. uh, in Los Angeles for the LA Heads, and um, doing a, a short little West Coast run up and down the coast in um, in July, and then we're off to Europe in August. Nice. And uh, so, is that a is that a reunion? Did J5 break up? You know, well, yeah, we, we definitely broke up for seven years solid. And then um, we got an offer to play Coachella. And mm -hmm. we figured, you know, hey, if there's a place to do it, Coachella's the place to do it. And the offer was really good. And So how was that coming back together? That was the craziest show of my life. Yeah. Like, by a long shot. Um, I don't know if you've seen the, the new show, but I, I came up with this idea to... Um, well, when I DJ by myself, I do like kids' toys. Yep. Like I do, I set up the whole stage with kids' toys, and I rig them up into my DJ mixer and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I used to pull part of that set into J5's DJ solo section of their show. When we reunited, I was talking with Cut, and I was like, you know, instead of doing some small toys, let's try to do something big. You know, so I invented like this big five foot by five foot turntable that was operational, and like could scratch and cut and everything. So. Wow. That one broke my back because it like was like three months like of working with the set designer, the guy that mm -hmm. was actually doing the physics and you know the geometry behind the whole thing. And uh, that's crazy. We finally got to work like a four or five days before the Coachella show, mm -hmm. and this is after months of working on it. And then um, we have you know Cut has like this portable turntable that he's cutting mm -hmm. around his you know neck, and I have like a drum machine that I'm playing with him and like record necklaces and all this stuff. Uh, necklaces trigger 808 sounds and stuff. So anyway, I'm, I'm going too long here. But anyway, the like five minutes before we're being pushed out on stage at Coachella, um, our engineer drops Cut's 
turntable on the ground and the needle shatter, shatters into all these little pieces. It's not like a record, like r regular, like DJ needle. It's like a, you know, yeah. a custom needle. Uh -huh. So as that happens, Sir Paul McCartney just walks up and we're like, I'm like, what the hell is going on, man? Like, this is like, this is crazy. So I'm like, do I help cut out with his needle problem right. or do I take a picture with Paul? And I'm like, <laughs> let me get this picture with Paul. Yeah. And so I get the picture with Paul. As I finish with that, Z Trip walks up and he sees Cut just flipping out, which Cut never flips out because he's always like cool as a cucumber. And then like I give Z my DJ needle from my turntables and, I'm, and he just pulls just the needle out, which mm -hmm. is kind of crazy in itself because they're just like so flimsy. And he super glues it and then scotch tapes it into Cut's portable turntable and is blowing on the super glue as they're pull, wow. pulling his uh pushing his riser out on stage and cuts on the riser yeah like so everyone's freaking out so we're like we haven't played in seven years together and we have to come out you know smashing you know how yeah. it is man it's just like yeah well we were freaked out and then yeah. uh the show went over great and everything worked yeah coachella was crazy and we haven't, to answer your question, no, I don't know if it's a reunion tour at this point. I think it's just like we're celebrating the box set that we have out now. We did a, um, a really nice box set for anybody who uh, is interested in the Quality Control album. Mm -hmm. uh, it's all the behind scenes uh, footage inside there. And uh, it's really cool. It's a good box set. Um, wood grain, logo on the front, and, and um, yeah, uh, instrumentals and uh, vocals. Nice. Yeah, man. So I've, I've been watching the toy set online. Oh. It's unbelievable. If you haven't seen it, it's it's unlike anything I've ever seen. Thank you. Uh, how that how that happen? Um, well, I had these two toys. Well, this one toy called Music Blocks that um, I was introduced to that I was like blown away by because it sounded like an SP twelve hundred, and I was like, "What's up with this?" And then I ended up buying six of them because I wanted to see if I can make something out of it. Mm. And, they have all these interesting cartridges, like a jazz cartridge and a Brazilian cartridge and like, oh, all kind of African. And I was like, what's going on? So then once J5 did break up in 2006, mm -hmm. I was like, didn't know what to do at all. Like, I didn't know what I was going to do in my career. If I was just going to be just a producer, if I was going to stop altogether and just regroup or whatever. Um, so I just thought to myself, well, what would happen if I just filled the whole stage up? with kids toys like how like could I get something that actually sounded decent mm -hmm. um and so my mind just kept kind of turning you know and I came up with it um yeah and it did well for me and I'm um I'll be doing uh Red Bull three style championships in uh Japan this year oh nice um I think that's in oh god I think I want to say s September I might be off but um so I'll be doing a new toy set. I, mm -hmm. I revamped the whole thing with the exception of Maurice the monkey. He's the only one that stayed. Sure. So, um, yeah. And, yeah. The, and the, the rubber band? The rubber band, I took that out of the routine because I think it had its proper shine in the, vi in the video uh -huh. that you saw. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, the rubber band is, a, is an interesting one because, like, I used to do it with a really <laughs> thick rubber band. I attached the rubber band to a needle and play it like an upright bass. But mm -hmm. on the new one, I just pulled a really small thin rubber band and it actually cuts through better it sounds like more like a guitar or something hmm. so yeah just having fun you know yeah i, I know mean, i can't cut like you know like hubert like i know he mastered like this sure. you know, there's like certain djs that have like mastered yeah that's kind of also my mindset like i was like well i'm not going to be like the master of the cut like i cut you know i can do doubles and flash and all that stuff but like 
I'm not going to be a master of it, nor do I really want to be, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I want to just do, I just want to look at the turntable in a different light. So I shot a, the new toy set I'm talking about with uh, Serato, by the way. Oh, cool. So that'll be coming out pretty soon. Yeah, huh? No, but that, but that I think is like, that's what's so interesting about DJing. Music making in general, but DJing in specific is that, you know, you're always building on, on the last guy. Yeah. Right? And, you know, you obviously have this quest to, to innovate. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, I mean, if, if there would be one word I'd like to be associated with when I'm done with this is be innovative, you know. Um, yeah, man. It's, it's just funny, though, because I, like, stumbled on the whole thought, like, you know, I'll never be a master of any of this, though. Because, like, you're always learning, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, someone says, oh, he's a master guitar player or pianist or whatever. You're just like, I just think about it for like a long time. I'm like, man, they'll never be a master. This, you're always learning with music. This is like right. an endless maze. So uh, I think that's why I'm so attracted to it. So do you, do you uh, how much time do you spend practicing? Well, lately I haven't been practicing at all because I've been making a lot of beats. Mm -hmm. I haven't been, uh, I will be at the end of this month when I go to Dublin um, to play the end of the month. But lately I've been back in beat mode just like, chopping up stuff so um but when i do practice i go pretty hard i mean you know getting my sets together and mm -hmm. trying to make everything touch and i guess i approach it more like a producer when i plan my dj sets so yeah 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 i mean i i think that's interesting you know again if you look at what's happening in djing today like so many so much about it has gotten easier very much so. records anymore and know, i feel like i'm doing it the hard way josh damn <laughs> I really do. I always say it on tour. I'm like, damn, I'm lugging all this around, man. Yeah. Like, I'm doing all this. Like, is it paying off? Like, I always have to question. Like, you're constantly questioning yourself. Like, am I working hard or am I working smart? Mm -hmm. like, which one is it? Like, you know, and sometimes you work hard. Sometimes you're working smart. But Well, so, but you could look at working smart as, um, I mean, I think there's a lot of DJs that are just, you just kind of press play. The equipment's not really yeah, Ableton, doing man. anything. Like, you're not really doing anything on stage. You're just kind of letting the machinery do it for you. Yeah, I watched that, um, that interview with, uh, I forgot his name, the, the, uh, Benihana's son. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Steve Aoki. Aoki on, uh, with, with uh, Katie Couric or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I saw, like, he, 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 like, broke down how he DJs. And I was like, that's interesting. Wow. So he has time to, like, you know, do his hands and all that and dance or whatever. I'm like, right. that's interesting. Like, I just wouldn't. You know, I'm not, I'm not dissing it by any means. Like, uh, my thing is, like, if you found an avenue and, you, and you're, you're blowing up, man, hats off to you. You deserve every penny. But I just, I just was like, wow, this is a completely different approach to what I do. I'm always, like, busy, you know, yeah. like, working on something, you know. And then, yeah. you know, the crowd could, the, could look at that like, well, he's not paying attention to us. Or they could be like, damn, he's murdering. Mm -hmm. So it's it, it just, it just perspective, I guess, you know. Is that the same crowd? Or, or Probably do you think that not. there's different audiences? For well, different... no, actually, it kind of is. Like, yeah. it's, it's funny, man, because like when you go to a festival, like if I play a festival, like it's everybody's there. They, they might they might know me and they might know Steve Aoki. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So like it's it's the same crowd. That's the funny thing about it, man. Like people just want to show up and be entertained at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's just the key. You know, like if I'm if I get like one or two people saying, "Hey, man, I, that." That, that was entertaining. I was like, okay, I'm on some sort of path. At least I got, you know, 
because you and I have both seen lines wrapped around the block for some of the worst groups in the world. Sure. So I'm just like, yeah. as I keep telling myself, well, like if I could just find my audience, you know, that's I'm all good, you know, and and it's been it's been good so far. I've I've, I've had like really really cool people come up to me and great people on my site and everything, and uh, I just try to keep doing something different and put out different projects and different routines and just try to try to stay uh, busy. Well, we were talking about that earlier, right? Like like you can't really predict. What's yeah. gonna blow up? What's not? You know. Yeah, man. I, when I well, yeah. I there's only one time where I knew someone was gonna be big, and it and it. And I, I always talk about it, it was Kanye West. Like uh -huh. when I was at a, I used to work at a small record label called Correct Records mm -hmm. here in LA, and um, the label had Cool Fash, who was from the Beat Nuts, mm -hmm. um, and who changed his name to Al Tariq, um, and uh, David Banner uh, from, but the group he was in on correct was crooked letter oh yeah and um then i signed an artist this was in the early 90s 96 i signed an artist named uh grab out of chicago who worked with uh a bunch of producers out of chicago but like he he did one beat with kanye west which was uh this ended up being kanye west's debut mm. on this label and um, and you saw it then. I was like, man, finish the rest of the album with exactly. him, and he did. Yeah. He, he did like six songs with Kanye or seven, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I gotta look at that album. So that was Kanye's debut, and I was like, yo, we gotta sign this kid. Like, we gotta sign him. And they, they're like, oh, I don't know. And then the then the label um, had some cutbacks, and then the label diffused mm -hmm. was was gone after that. So. Um, yeah, and I was just like, and then I just saw his career take off after that. I'm like, damn, this is crazy. Like, he's on, like, a billboard with Madonna, and mm -hmm. I'm driving to the airport looking at it. <laughs> a billboard of Kanye and Madonna. I'm like, this is just wild. So yeah. that was, like, really the only artist I've ever seen. I was like, yeah, he's going he's gonna to do it. He's going to do it. And he had the confidence then when I was in the studio because sure. I would be in some of the studio sessions in New York, and he had a lot of confidence back then, a lot. And, I, like, it's not, people can't say Kanye's changed. He hasn't. He's, he's always been this confident. Right. That I saw from the beginning, and he deserves it. He deserves every bit of it. He's extremely talented. Was there, I'm sure there are folks you thought you were sure were going to blow up. But yeah, a lot of them, a lot of them. Grav included, the, yeah. the, the artists that I signed. Yeah. Um, a lot of artists growing up that I saw, like, that were on 12 inches that we used to get in. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, this kid is, he could spit, man. This kid is going to go far. This And it just, um, what I learned over time is, it, like, well, especially now, you know, in the 90s was like the skills to pay the bills. Now mm -hmm. it's like it doesn't have anything to do really with skill. It's like, you know, it's more like, you know, shock value and, mm -hmm. and beauty. And um, yeah, talk about that. I might heard be you... the pills to pay the bills now, too. I don't okay. know. With the whole drug thing and the molly and all that. Um, but uh, no, I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, well, you said you said I think it was DJ Times. Mm. You said that you didn't think Stevie Wonder would probably get signed today. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think I think I think they're they're really interested in pop artists right now. Not that Stevie didn't go pop because he did, but I'm just saying they're also very very um, uh, consumed with how people look mm -hmm. in their image right now, which is unfortunate because like Janis Joplin, like you know, she just yeah. get up and do her thing, you know, yeah. and she'd make you feel her, you know. But they're not. They're, they're looking at the full package right now. And when I mean full package, I don't mean full package musically. I mean full mm -hmm. package as visual candy. And then, eh, if the music's good, we can, we, can, we can make it work in these channels. As right. long as it fits in the Power 106 box or the you know, K-Rock box or wherever mm -hmm. it's going to go, Clear Channel, whatever. Um, 
you know. But it's just, you know, that's, that's not a negative thing. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just saying that it's, it's just different, mm -hmm. you know. So what, are there people that influence you that, that mm -hmm. are not, um, you know, that are in that group? They're not famous. They didn't, they didn't maybe have the full package. Oh, I imagine there's a lot if I like would sit and think about 12 inches. But I mean, you know, one of the first real big influences for me as a like a as a producer was Molly Maul. Mm -hmm. um, he put out a song called He Cut So Fresh. And I was like listening to the drum programming on that. And I was like, this guy is out of here. He's incredible. And of course, he had the bridge and all that before. But when when I heard He Cut So Fresh, I was like, this is just so raw. And like Molly you know, didn't become like a superstar, but he's very well known, obviously, mm -hmm. in the, you know, hip hop um, circles or whatever. And a lot of debate as to what he produced and what he didn't, but I could tell his sound, you know. Yeah. You could tell someone's drum programming and their feel in their pockets. So there's a lot of Molly Malls in my, sure. <laughs> in my, in my crates for sure. No, th I think most of my influences were cats like, cats like that. Yeah. Cats that have raw production and, you know, you know, it, whether it be RZA all the way down to, you know, Prince Paul, you know, mm -hmm. whatever, whatever it is, you know, whoever it is. But no, a lot of them is like that because I, I, I can hear uh, artistic integrity, you know. Well, that's one of the dangers. I know we're, we're not going to be negative on this show, but, but I think that's one of the dangers of where music's at right now mm -hmm. is I think that, you know, we talk about hip hop, you know, hip hop needs those, those influencers. You know, we, we need the Cool G raps to inspire the, Biggie Smalls, right? Yeah, it's just balance, you know. That's how I look at it. Like, that's what I liked about uh, the the era that I grew up in. It was a lot of balance. Like, mm -hmm. you definitely had pop artists. Like, you sure. had Prince. Yeah. You know, Prince was there. But then right next to Prince, there was the movie, you know, Beat Street. Mm -hmm. You know? <laughs> and, mm -hmm. then, and then from Beat Street, you had, you know, Soul Sonic Force. And you had all these, all these things that were connected. And um, you knew what Michael Jackson was. You knew what Prince was. Uh, but you also knew who the Fat Boys were. You know what I'm saying? Which I, I really like that. That's I, I love, you know, I love diversity. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't like hanging out in one neighborhood where it's just, you know, all white people or all black people or all Latins. I like I like diversity. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and I like that in my music. I like that in my food. My girlfriend can attest to that. Well, one day we'll have sushi. Next day we're going to have Guatemalan food. Like, yeah. I like diversity. I like yeah. mixing it up. In, same way. Same thing with music. It has to be, you know, right now I'm on a big, you know, Middle Eastern kick, where I love Middle Eastern music, you know, like funky Middle Eastern, like Turkish music, you know. Really. But last year I was, you know, listening to more Ethiopian, and I'm listening to Ethiopian now. But I like, mm -hmm. it, it just it changes from year to year, you yeah. know what I mean? And it's like it just keeps you alive, you know. And I just I just wish the pop landscape, or you know, yeah, the pop landscape had a little bit more diversity. That's mm -hmm. it. Sure. What. You just said something that I wanted to build on. Oh, uh, do you remember your introduction to hip-hop? Yeah. Um, when I was in my jazz band in, in, um, in junior high, I was, uh, my best friend played bass and I played drums. And um, we'd walk to his house every day after school and practice our breakdancing moves in his living room. <laughs> mm -hmm. And his uncle lived with him, and he would make these mixtapes for us. He he was a DJ, and make he'd go to New York every few months, come back with records that we never heard. There was this cool little slice of time in the '80s where we would get records 
four months, five months, six months down the line later than New York. Right. Pre-internet, obviously. Yeah. And so that was a really exciting time. He's like, oh, he went to New York. What did he bring back? So that we looked forward to what he would bring back. So one day I watched him DJ and I was like, that's it. Like, I, I can't like... I can't look at playing drums and mimicking like John Bonham's break mm-hmm. from Led Zeppelin the same. Like I can't, I, I can't look at it the same. So like I had to get a drum machine to find out what the boom was all about in the 808. And I had to get turntables to figure out how he was repeating the duck, duck, duck off of Malcolm McLaren. Like I had to figure it out because it was, it was like literally driving me crazy as a 13 year old kid. Like I, I couldn't take it anymore. My mom yeah. was going to lose her mind with me asking questions and can you take me here can you take me there can you drop me off at this utfo concert in anaheim Mm -hmm. you know my best friend and she my mom was the best she was like so supportive of that god bless her um was that your first hip-hop show yeah utfo with it was utfo egyptian lover sir mix a lot when he had square dance rap Mm -hmm. uh somebody else was on that bill um uh, i forget who and of course utfo was Mm -hmm. the headliner Mm -hmm. but um yeah, so my introduction was really hearing my best friend's cousin um, playing Buffalo Gals and um, Roxanne. Roxanne was the first record I bought yeah. from UTFO. It might have been that he was playing. I know he was playing all that stuff at that time, but that was like, it got me. Like, that's it. I bought a pair of beat-up servo turntables that were mm-hmm. belt-driven, like not even like not even Technique, turn, not even technique 1200s. Like, sure. So then I started doing house parties. Yeah. And so at 13, uh, you know, you, you're putting in all this time. Most yeah. kids are out, you know, riding skateboards or chasing girls or I was home on whatever. the weekends. I was home yeah. every weekend. My mom was like, well, you know, cause my mom was always like, you could do whatever you want, just don't do drugs. That's how my mom was. My mm-hmm. mom's like really like hands-off approach to parenting. What yeah. do you think, uh, what do you think you sacrificed to get to, <laughs> to this point? Everything, man. Uh, a lot of things, a lot of things. Um, well, <laughs> um, my schooling for mm-hmm. sure. Um, a lot of girlfriends for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I guess like outward appearance at a young age, like I didn't care the way I looked and like the, what I, I used to drive this, this, uh, Volkswagen diesel Jetta. I was beat up, you know, sure. but I'd have big Sermon Vegas in the back of it. Like, you know, it was just, I was just a quirky dude just trying to, I just wanted, all I cared about was music, really. Yeah. You know, um, and yeah, you know, food, you know, this old saying that, uh, uh, well, uh, that cut came up with is like either you eat or you dig. You don't do both. Like mm-hmm. you, either you're, you're digging the whole day or you're eating. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can't, you can't, ha- you can't eat while you're digging. You just, we're off to the next spot. Let's go. And it's true. It's just like. So food, nutrition, <laughs> keeping up with my physique, all that, everything. Yeah. That's the price though, right? Yeah, I love it. Now it's all more about balance. Like, you know, as you get older, you're like, okay, I got to balance. I got to spend some time with my lady. I got to, you know, mm-hmm. I got to try to eat right sometimes. I got to try to, you know, walk the dog at least for an hour every day, you know, something, you know. But uh, back then you're just like scrambling to figure out because it was like a rat race, you know. You know, I talked to a guy once who's an older guy. He was, he's like a top five violinist in the world. Oh, wow. Like classical violinist. Wow. And, and I asked him about, 
practice. And mm -hmm. he said, you know, he's in his 60s. He said he practices four hours every day. Yeah. And, and asked him, you know, what do you do in, for four hours? Like, don't you know yeah. everything right. already? And he kind of said, you know, a lot of it's just keeping, he said it's like pulling up weeds. Mm. It's like keeping the bad habits from creeping in. Mm -hmm. That's a good analogy right there. Yeah. I know when I'm like scratching or practicing cuts, there's a lot of bad habits that come into play. It's like, why would I do that? Like, I, that sounded so whack. And you just, you try to get them out. That's true. Mm. They are like weeds. Yeah. That's interesting. So I got to talk to you something about very serious. Okay. Uh, being a white guy in hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> Who did you get mistaken for? Oh. Um, well, you know, it was a really big thing in the 80s, man. Like when I would DJ house parties, uh -huh. it, later on it didn't become such a big thing. But in the 80s, it was like, yo, all the right. white boys getting on, pre-beard. Uh -huh. I think I had a goatee at the, at the end of it all. But, of course. Um, or, but um, we all that was a big thing. That yeah. was like a big, big thing. But it, later on, you know, it, like now it doesn't even, people right. don't even give a shit. But um, um, who did I get mistaken for? Um, it's not really anybody. At one point, someone said MCA. But okay. I, but um, I didn't get a whole lot no. of mistaken fours, man. No. Okay. I got, uh, so I got Rob one. Oh, yeah. You do All have the some, time. You got some resemblance to Rob. But here's the thing. So Rob was a, was a legendary DJ. Yeah. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Rob. But. He had, like, his hair was down, halfway down his yep. back. My hair was always short. Right. And people would come up like they knew me, like they knew Rob really well. And I'm like, don't you notice yeah. his hair? And then Truly Odd. I used to always get Truly Odd. Okay, I can kind of see that. And that's when your eyes are a little bit more broken, though. The Truly Odd one? Probably. Yeah. Rob, I can kind of see. So Truly Odd, we, wait, I was in Miami at uh, How Can I Be Down. Yeah. And uh, I think it was Teddy Ted. Right. It was, it was <laughs> is like yelling, truly odd. Like from across the room. Oh, shit. Like so excited to see truly odd. He hadn't seen him in a bit, I imagine. And like he would not. And I, and I was like, oh, I'm not going to look up. Like I'm just not. I don't oh, feel like man. having this. Because That's terrible. he obviously knew truly odd so well that he was excited to see him. But he It just, happens. Yeah. I mistake people all the time. I just thought it was funny. Yeah. Especially uh, yeah, if I've you haven't it. seen it in a minute. You're like, oh, it's, yeah, what's up? Man, I talk to people all the time. And I'm like, yo, what's up? I haven't seen you in a long time. How's Brazil? Brazil? You know? <laughs> right. Well, I'm not from no Brazil. Yeah, that's funny. Never even been to Sao Paulo. Right. Um, no, it happens. Yeah. But no, I don't really, I didn't get a lot of that, man. I, I get a lot of people, I know you from somewhere, but I don't know where. You know, mm -hmm. I get a lot of that, but I don't mm -hmm. get. Um, sure. I, mean, I don't get like, yo, what's up, Everlast? Or, like, right. I, don't, I don't get that. Like, I, just, I just don't. Well, but, yeah, a lot of people are like, well, what are you? What, what do you mix with? Whatever. Is that right? Um, I'm, are you I'm, from L.A.? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm from L.A. My family's Persian. Okay. And my, my dad's side's white and uh -huh. Czech and Polish on his side, and my mom's Persian. So mm -hmm. people kind of can't figure me out. Sure. Um, yeah. That's funny. Truly odd, huh? Yeah, I didn't yeah. really see it, but you know, I we're about similar build and yeah. hair, you know, like color. Yeah, it's about the same. It. Nah, I didn't really see it. Um, oh, I got a we got a, a Twitter question. Okay, these uh, are usually very interesting. Yeah, this is from a guy named Shark Feichel, and the question it's is already good. Exactly. Question is, uh, how did what's golden come together? Oh. um... That's actually my favorite song that we that we created. Uh, 
Okay, so that's actually my favorite album. Mm. Usually, you know, you have your first album that everyone likes, and then the second one, everyone's like, that's it's garbage, whatever. <laughs> right. But uh, that album was when I was like, I came into my own as a producer, uh, which is part of how it came together, because the first album, we had a lot of, like, breaks. You know, we were still high off of the finding breaks thing, you know, mm -hmm. and, and finding loops, really. And so th the next one, I was like, man, we need to introduce a little bit more low end into it, and, like, it needs to hit harder, like... Um, there was some criticisms that I didn't like and it, that just weren't me because I like to chop things. Um, so I remember hearing a lot of criticisms and reading a few reviews, which at that time was the last set of reviews I ever read. I haven't read reviews since like late 90s. Yeah, so, good for you. Um, so I was like, okay, I took some of it with a grain of salt, but then I, I just really went hard on beats and um, I had a, one part of it chopped up and the guys heard it and they're like, what the hell is that? And I was like, man, I think we could work this, man. It just has to be the right hook. And the guys just started like not making sense over the, the beat, like just kind of like, da -da 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 -da, you know, just kind of mumbling, you know, you know, oh, da -da, what golden, you know, they're just kind of saying things. And all of a sudden mm -hmm. I, I heard gold. I'm like, oh, what, what's that all about? I'm like, yeah, this, this, that'd be kind of cool. And then it just slowly shaped into the hook. And then the verses came together, you know. The way they always do with J5 is just one guy just writes something down and it triggers the next guy to write something. Uh, they very much played off of each other, like whatever the last guy said. Kind of. So thing. everybody's writing together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. J5 typically everyone wrote together, depending on the mood, right. <laughs> depending sure. on how much touring we've done. Yeah. Before the recording session, too. Uh, right. I'm sure. You know, because too much time in the bus. Oh boy, oh boy. It's, I call it jail on wheels. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it just depends on how much, you know, of the rock star dream we're living on the road. Uh -huh. But um, that particular moment was, that particular song was um, um, birthed out of my studio, uh, which was a house I had just bought. And everyone was rushing me to fix up the house because the house was a complete, it was like the missing tooth of the block. It was like, mm -hmm. this house was terrible, man. And I did so much to it, like including building a two-car garage studio inside of the house. So they were like, come on, we got to record the new album. Come on, new, like, you almost done? Because we were transitioning from working at Cut's, house, Cut's mom's house into moving into my own mm -hmm. house. So I was rushing to finish it. So I knew my speakers once I got everything up. I'm like, oh, that's how it's supposed to sound. Because, you know, I don't know if you ever like mix down anything in, in, in studios, but you go there and you come home with it. Right, and you're like, damn, it sounds whack on my speakers. It's muddy as hell. Where's the hi-hat? Yeah. Everything's, well, I got to turn this up. What's, and you just get all super you know, pissed off. And you got to go back to the studio, mm -hmm. do a recall back in the days of the boards, all that. So now I have my own studio. I have my own you know, uh, 1688 or whatever I was using back then. And I was like, oh, so if I put on this Dre record right now and listen to these speakers and then right. compare it to my mix, I'll really know right here. Gives you a and reference. that helped me. And that's when I was like, okay, Power Numbers album was golden I fell into my own as a producer I'm like yeah for me I I know I need my own studio because I need a comp I need a reference mm -hmm. at other studios I really couldn't reference because I didn't understand their speakers even if I brought brought Dre's record over there or like a DJ quick record that was EQ'd right mm -hmm. I still couldn't I still I was like yeah his is shinier but I don't understand these speakers still like right. I don't understand like how much so it got technical you yeah. know yeah. and for me I need I need that side you know I wanted to to hit right what's going on check it out now I work the pen to make the ink transform on any particular surface the pen lands on. I care if it's hands on. What's the beef? The coolie high code chiefs, high post techniques. I 
drape off poetic landscapes and shapes Illustrate the paper space off the pens that paint Then design with habit National Geographic The magic with tailor-made status and plus flavor that's automatic uh. We're not falling, we're taking back to the days cool. So you've done a good job with your, your website, your social media Feels like, feels like you're pretty connected with fans that way Trying, yeah. trying it's hard, man. This is like a new era, right? It's yeah. like you gotta always like um, people today want more. Like you know, right. they want a they want an interaction with their artists. They want a personalization with the artist. Whereas back in the days, like I'm walking off stage, I'm not signing an autograph. I'll see you guys in four years when the new album's done. Right. You know, that's how that's how all artists used to do it. Sure. Like they peace out and be like, oh my yeah. god, he's so mysterious. Yeah. Now it's like, what the hell is mystery? People don't care about no mystery now. They want to they like, they they go on a date with the artist. You yeah. know, sit on his lap. Yeah. Suck on his neck and shit. Like, they, it's just ridiculous. Like, but it's dope in a way because like, if you looked at going back to De La's like, Kickstarters, like, one of the packages is Maceo will DJ yeah, yeah, with yeah. you guys. And like, yeah. another one is like, go toy shopping with Dave. Like, yeah. That's what people want. They want yeah. a human experience. and um, They want that and they want bundles. So if you're selling an album, they don't care about that 99 cent download. They want... Mm-hmm. They want the album bundled with a USB stick, bundled with a T-shirt. They want that's one tier, twenty nine dollars. Another like, tier, like this one. Yeah, yeah. The the flash drive, cartridge. Yeah, DJ needle yeah, cartridge. So, um, so yeah, I, the people want a, they want something tangible they can feel, touch, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's funny that was the argument that the labels made when downloading first started happening. Is like yeah. people want a package. And it's true, but they didn't necessarily want that jewel package of a CD. I remember seeing that firsthand when we were at Interscope because yeah. they were freaking out. Um, this was right around the time Woods Golden came out, actually. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, homie from Metallica, the drummer, was fighting mm-hmm. it. You know, yeah, yeah. everybody. It, it was just like, a, and I was like, man, I was watching it and I couldn't figure out, like, which way, which, which you know, side of the fence I wanted to stand behind. I'm like, damn. Yeah. But what ended up happening is them... Uh, Dismantling Napster just ended up shattering into millions of little Napsters. Yeah. And, you know, they were just sticking to that old music model and it just didn't work, man. It's really interesting, man. You yeah. see where it's at now. You know, it's a very defining point in music history. So, how does that change your process? I mean, it sounds mm-hmm. like, you know, you've been in the studio since you're 13 practicing and, and really focused internally. It's, it's a little. It gets a little depressing, I can't even front, because like when I'm making a beat, like even, I'm like, okay, who's this beat gonna go to? Okay. You know, like I'm trying to figure out like what's the cadence of the rhyme over it? Like what's the, you know, I'm a producer, like I don't, I don't like making just beats. I like to produce, like I like, mm-hmm. like when me and Slim Kid Trey, like he started writing some of his stuff from Portland, because that's where he lives, mm-hmm. and sending it over, I'm like, man, I just can't feel it. Like I just can't, this ain't, this the cyberspace recording thing ain't, it ain't me, like yeah. I can't even, yeah. like it ain't me. It doesn't, the, the suit don't fit, like so. Right. Because like, you guys you gotta, don't have to even see each other. You can just transfer yeah, files back. Well, and forth. I'm like, I'm like, you know, it needs to go da 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 da. Like I'm that I'm that dude. Like I need it, the cadence mm-hmm. needs to be different on you know the pocket needs to be different on the rhyme and the hook should be more spread out. I'm that guy. Mm-hmm. So he had to fly in for it. So like to answer your question, like it, yeah, it's 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 made it it's made it difficult because you don't know where things are going to live like and you don't right. know how you're going to sell them till like almost like you see the whole thing in front of you and you're like okay I really need to just divide up all 10 of these songs like which is what I did with Broken Sunlight hence the title Broken Sunlight just broke everything up like okay that's a 10 inch right there that's two songs Aloe Black and Charles Bradley boom done you know okay but that's Quantic that's that Latin shit okay boom done you know that's 
bumpy knuckles and large professor that's that new york banger shit okay and you just start going oh, it, at one point you go okay this is what the project needs you right. know but it, it's difficult because with, with broken sunlight were you just sending tracks out and then you're getting finished vocals back um but it was both okay. some were recorded in my studio um okay. you can see actually a lot of the process of that on my um on my YouTube channel, on DJ Newmark's YouTube channel, you oh, can cool. see uh, some of the recording experiences, like uh, Large Pro recording vocals in my studio, um, playing beats for him, and him nodding or going, no, no, not that one, this one, you know, like, I like that. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, his head is over here. Like, I tried to get Diamond D on the Broken Sunlight album, but he was like, no, I want something harder. I'm like, and what I gave him, I thought was perfect Diamond D, like, mm -hmm. DITC stuff, but he wanted some raw shit. So when I recorded with Slim Kid Trey, I gave him the King beat, which is really you know raw mm -hmm. but uh no to answer your question though i mean it, it's yeah it makes it difficult to see where things are going to live because back in the day you would just record an album go here you go label right. you know like you didn't have to think now you got to be the a and r the head of video photography the fucking you know uh artist babysitter the yeah. engineer the mix down the mastering engineer you know yeah. uh the fucking uh come up with the concept for the video mm -hmm. uh the social media expert the fucking you gotta be everything you gotta you know just putting on hats all day like here we go what's the what's the hat here we go right. chef you know and it's just like sure. <laughs> you know it's like it's it's yeah. it's like the real the real cats are surviving like the cats that are supposed to be here are here yeah you know what i mean like and i don't mean you know the cats are just putting stuff on the internet i mean the cats are like actually around creating music that people are still kind of talking about or you know yeah, th those people really deserve to be here. Mm -hmm. As as much as the one-hit wonder dudes that are just po surfacing now, they all need they all deserve to be here. There's room for all of us. There's not this I don't like when people go, "Oh, that dude's whack. He just had, you know, you know, what's this, you know, what's this, you know, what's this dance he got hype off people mm -hmm. got hype off of or, you know, what's this one-hit wonder not. It, they're supposed to be here. Mm -hmm. It's all checks and balances. That's like this it's just balance, you know? It's just balance. Like, that leaves room for you to do this. So right. Everybody's crammed up on this part of the painting, like, trying to do electronic fucking, oh, and there's all this room on the canvas. Go over here, motherfucker. It's like, make some shit right. over here. Like, everyone's crammed in this little box, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So, no, like, it's, there's room for all of us. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think that, you know, what, One Hit Wonders are, it's an interesting, I don't want to call it phenomenon because I feel like that's actually the norm. Yeah. Right, that if you get a hit you're not necessarily more likely to get another one. And in some ways... It's hard to get another one unless you come out with that first one like that. Yeah. Like that, that Korean dude, I forgot his name, Psy? Oh, Psy. Yeah. yeah. Like that dude came out like guns blazing with that. It's like you one know. of the biggest records yeah. ever. I remember going to Korea when that happened. Is I was that like, right? billboards of him and like, yeah. shit, I remember seeing Korean billboards here in, mm -hmm. in our Koreatown. Mm -hmm. But um, man, it's, a hard, it's hard to follow up. Sure. And, and it's hard for people to take you seriously too when it just comes out like that too. So it's... You know, yeah. everything has its place. Yeah, yeah. Well, what was it you said before the interview about your your first record? The first, my you first. You said you record. have your whole life to make your first record. Yeah, you got your whole whole life to make that first record, and just a few months to make that second. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a it's totally tough. different experience. It's tough. It depends how like in, engaged you are too, because those few those three months you have to make your second might be the most powerful months, man. Mm -hmm. I've, I've come up with shit in eight hours before I couldn't believe I did. Mm -hmm. You know. And then, then again, I've sat yesterday. Perfect example. I sat the whole day making a beat. This shit was whack. And it's just like, okay, that's yeah. cool. I'm getting back in the groove of things. Like, I know where not to go. And, like, this is an old pattern I'm, I'm following right here. I need to switch it up, you know. Mm -hmm. It's just, um, 
you know, not taking it too seriously and just have fun creating kind of thing, you know. Sure. Yeah. So what about uh, new cats mm. that you're checking for? Uh, yeah, I like I like a few people. Um, this kid Anderson Pack, I like mm -hmm. him. He has a good spit, man. He he can he has a lot of energy. Okay. Um, I work with Tehran and Aomari on my album. I like them. I haven't heard their new album, although uh, Tehran just sent me his new album. Um, I need to peep it. Um, but I like his spit too. He has a good his his voice fits in everything. Mm -hmm. um, DJs, I like um, this kid Four Color Zach. Yeah. You know, yeah, he's sick. Red Bull yeah. champion killer. Um, really creative behind the turntables, like recreating songs and chopping up things. Um, I like Nipsey's hustle, literally. Uh -huh. I like his hustle, that yeah. whole, I'm selling my album for, how did he do it again? He did like $100 for his album or some shit, or $100 for his mixtape, or Is sold them all. Yeah, he, dude smashed it. Like really? Jay-Z Jay bought 100 Like I'm like, okay, dude, you're killing it. Dude. <laughs> that, that's what I'm talking about. Like, right. Do something different. Like, have fun yeah. with it. Like, I love that. I love seeing like new artists just come up with innovative ways to market themselves as well as creating the studio, man. It's so important. Like, mm -hmm. cause you know, we used to say it like as a cliche, like in the nineties, like, Oh, it's 90% business and 10% artist right. artistry. Right. Now it's really like that. Like now it's really like that. Well, like, I think there's a difference if you're saying that as a complaint yeah. versus that's the reality. And, and you got to adapt yeah. to it, right? Yeah, it's just a lot to do after you finish the art. Like, you can create some of the illest shit ever right now. And sure. It's like, it can just get lost. Like, and that, that part, I think, is the only part that I really feel pressure. So it's like, damn, I created something really good, man. I really stand behind it, you know. And then you know, like, when you play for your close, because your closest friends always front on you. Of course. They never say, yo, man, Josh, you murdered that shit. Right. They, your closest friends never do that. Is it's always good? like, nah, that means they love you, man. That's, that's <laughs> right. what's up. You know, yeah. like, like I know, like, my best friend, Amani, like, I, like this last album I did with, with Trey, he's like, man. And, like, it meant a lot coming from him that he liked it. Mm -hmm. But it's one thing when a fan comes up, you know, like a J5 fan or a Newmark fan or whatever comes up. You're like, oh, cool, thanks. You know, mm -hmm. I appreciate you coming up to me. I'm not saying it doesn't mean as much, but right. when you... When it comes from your homie, like the people you grew up with, that sure. watched all the steps, you, they're going to yeah. be hard on you. They're going to be like, yeah, it's all right. It's all right. Yeah, it'd be, all right. yeah it's okay. Mm. Yeah, you could, that set could have been better. And I've been told that millions of times by my friends. Yeah. Like, yeah, that set was good. It was okay. You know? But when you do something good, you're like, ah, oh, okay, I connected. Like, that's what's up, you know? Are you, uh, are you so hard on yourself? Or yes. Are you able to enjoy it? You don't it? have to finish the rest of the question. Yes, I am. All the way down. But do you ever come off stage going like, <laughs> yeah, I, that like yeah, that's what I wanted to do up there? Um, hmm. Not as much as as I should be. Okay. Not as much as I should be. Uh, I, no, no, not really. Because there's always like a part where I, where something fell down. The audience might not have heard it, but mm -hmm. I, I was like, nope, that because I because I'm a producer. Mm -hmm. I like things funneled to a pinpoint. Right. Sharp. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I would when I record, but when you're live, it, it, you don't have that luxury. So you have to get on that first take. Right. And when you fuck up, you got to keep moving and catch up to your mistake. Mm -hmm. But, um, I mean, there hasn't been, you know, it's not like I flub it up so bad that I'm sure. just like, fuck, walking off stage crying or nothing <laughs> like that. But it's like, you know, like, damn, that part, I could have been yeah. a little bit louder. That part could have been a little bit lower. That part could have been cut a little bit sharper that, you know, it's just little Little stupid things that only a producer would have in his head when he yeah, walks yeah. off, you know? Sure. 
And do you do that with other people, or do you go? So, yeah, well. So, uh, what have you seen? What's what's the best DJ set you've ever seen? Oh, oh, you mean when I'm watching a show? Yeah. Like, oh, um, the best DJ set I've ever seen? Yeah. Oh God, man. Or favorite DJ? Um, I really wa like watching DJ Scratch. Mm -hmm. He's always he always comes up with something innovative. Um, his confidence shines through his 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 turntablism for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, of course, Cubert, you mm -hmm. know, I love my man J-Rock. I think we're kind of cut from the same cloth, just the way we approach funk yeah. and our appreciation for James. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, uh, Zach, like we talked about, Four Color Zach, I think he really executes really clean. Uh, Jazzy Jeff, pretty much every time I've heard him, mm -hmm. he's just like, just, I just, it looks effortless for him. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some people, it just looks like they didn't, they didn't need to practice. Right. They didn't need that four-hour violin practice. They right. just was like, oh, get up, have some Wheaties. Uh, what the fuck was that? You know, there's some cats that are just ill. Yeah. Like, you know, um, the first DJ that got me really, really into, like, being a, a battle DJ or whatever early on was Aladdin. And mm -hmm. he was one of those kind of cats where I would watch For him sure. in seminar tapes and just like, this dude is, like, the funkiest. Like, him yeah. and Steve D, like, on the yeah. East Coast, Steve D, West Coast, Aladdin, I was like, this is like revolutionizing DJing. Like, if you're not funky after this, you're kind of fucked. Like, yeah. if you're up there, DJ McStifferson, like, doing some whack shit, it's over. Like, yeah, it, yeah. these kids were doing really, really innovative, fun things on turntables. Man, Aladdin played my first show I ever did. Really? 93. Damn. At Glam Slam. Smashed Murdered it. it. Yeah, he's ridiculous. Yeah. He's ridiculous. Um, so yeah, he's he's probably my biggest DJ influence, for sure. That's dope. That's dope. Cool, man. That's all I got. Thank you for doing this. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having Thanks me. Thanks for being Josh. here. Yeah, I mean, good seeing you. DJ Newmark, too. check him out online. Check out Broken Sunlight. Yeah. Watch new, for the new. What's do we have a? Is there a title? It's going to be uh, the Slim Kid Trade Newmark project. Is going to be called Trademark. Um, so cool. hopefully we'll have an album in October or something like that. Nice. So we're just working away at it, and um, yeah, man. Dope. Yeah. J5 will be on tour. Yeah, we'll be on tour as well. Thanks for having me, Josh. We'll be there. My man. Right on. Yeah. Yeah, pass the ball, final casting call First of all, verbal basketball Off the glass, smash your jaw, too fast for jaw You might take a nasty ball Trying to stick with the prehistoric passenger All rep, no physical contact Bounce back, demonstrate Invincible bomb raps Not no hustler, no player Or speaking no crime crap I'm vocally trying to score before my time lapse uh, Full court press, uh, hands in your chest Running cause I'm a rebel with the ghetto connects No fouls, just check